Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Inclusive leader is the one who understands what are the what are the issues you're facing, what are the solutions, and that it's not what you think, but what are the needs of the people who you lead. An inclusive workforce is a workforce where everybody's voice is heard, everybody is treated in a very equal way, um, concerns are dealt with in a very open and transparent way, and there's no feeling that that somebody is being undermined, bullied or threatened. Leaders have to kind of be quite courageous about confronting things that are not in the right set of values or behaviour that's not inclusive and tackling it head on. Um, but also talking and talking on behalf of some of those staff groups who perhaps haven't really got a voice and finding ways to help them find a voice. Hello, my name is Paul Deemer and I'm the Head of Diversity and Inclusion for NHS Employers. In this podcast, we explore the issue of how we can ensure an inclusive workforce by implementing an inclusive leadership strategy from the top down. We'll visit University Hospitals of Morecambe Bay Trust, voted in this year's Top 50 Inclusive Employers Award as the 11th most inclusive employer in the UK and the most inclusive in the NHS. Over the years, they've developed a number of initiatives that have encouraged inclusivity in the workforce. These initiatives needed support at the very top from their Chief Executive, Jackie Daniel, and she explains what they were and why she backed them. One of my jobs uh, when I went into the uh, Trust was to really shift the culture, and this is a really fundamental part of that. So we've been focusing on building values-based leadership and a values-based organisation. So we've ad- adopted approach, approaches that really optimise that, So uh, we've been trying to get staff really engaged, really owning all kinds of things, such as a behavioural standards framework, where we can kind of hold it up and say, these are behavioural standards we want to see. Um, And we've got a lovely little phrase that says, it's not okay to behave that way. And that's, you know, that's a bit of a red card for staff who are not working against that standards. The phrase we use in our place is the way way things are done around here. and that's some of the kind of informal things and the informal ways of working, the things that the unwritten rules, which are even more difficult sometimes to get, get hold of. But we've got, um, for example, uh, uh, personal diverse and fair champions who, who will actively you know, stop people in the corridor or um, interrupt in a meeting if they see behaviours that are going against um, what we believe will create that kind of culture. So... Uh, and we've got them, those members of staff actually taking, pl- taking part in training and development for staff because not all staff kind of completely understand all of these issues. So there's a massive education job. And Sarah Irvin is one of those personal fair and diverse champions and a ward clerk at Royal Lancaster Infirmary. She explains why she got involved with the programme and how she supports the staff. I originally became a personal fair and diverse champion Um, following a friend who was really racially bullied. She's a staff nurse on one of the units 
and she was really upset by it and I felt quite strongly and upset for her and I, I just thought to myself why should anybody at work have to suffer this way just because of the colour of their skin. I quite often support members of staff that are feeling a bit unsure about the South. Like, um, to use an example recently, um, I tried to recruit two of our domestic members of staff and they said oh we don't think we're important enough. So. Um, I said to them, you know, that because they were domestics, if they didn't do their job, the doctors couldn't do their job. And at the end of the day, we're all working towards one common goal, which is the care of the patient. So everybody's job is valued and respected within this trust and everybody should feel important. And I really wanted to also take this opportunity. Sarah met with all the network leads at the Diversity and Inclusion Planning Meeting, including the LGBT, BME and BAPIO leads all of whom saw the benefits of the creation of the networks and the collaboration between each other. Krishna Prasad Karnad is the BAPIO lead for the Trust. BAPIO is an organisation which actually champions the BME issues nationally. And we've got a local unit of BAPIO, which is formed in 2013. Gave, it gave a platform for the, our organisation to get that know-how from the BAPIO through our local network so that um, we can find an amicable solution to the current issues we had. So, for example, we can um, work through our network within our members so that we can identify the issues or the barriers for the inclusion within our organization. And that can be that intelligence can be passed to our um, executives who are very receptive for our issues and they're very keen to resolve that. It's actually currently happening because uh, when all these issues started, we had quite a lot of BME doctors being investigated uh, for the reasons unknown and there are quite a lot of bullying, harassment issues within different divisions, within different services. So all those things brought into context and given to those executives because they, they don't get otherwise that intelligence that they're very keen to get that intelligence and that helped because that uh, looking back that two three years actually quite a lot of things changed because uh, it's all it's always this, these small things which actually makes big difference to individuals on the ground. And one of the things I spoke to you about Sarah wasn't it was about we need some kind of an inside the hospital kind of chat room kind of thing, you know, where we can have a running conversation. My name's uh, Andy Kundel. I'm um, a case manager at the hospital and I've been involved in setting up the LGBT staff network. Um, we did some work uh, around uh, experiences within the trust and there were some uh, results we were not very happy with. So we decided to set up a forum to try and address those. Uh, issues. I would always say I've been quite lucky in the fact that I've never experienced much negative, uh, much of a negative experience because of my own uh, being gay myself. But when we did the staff survey, it was evident that some people did, and that actually surprised me a lot. You know, I wasn't when I first thought about getting involved in this. I wasn't actually didn't think it might quite be for me because I'd never really had an issue. But actually. When you start to think about it a little bit more, you know, I think it's it's really important just to make sure that there aren't members of staff out there who are uh, suffering unnecessarily. But, you know, and I'm not saying people are going around hating anybody, but just through those little subtle things. Um, and I think it's a, a, a good thing for, for the community. Uh, we've got a small population of LGBT staff, but 
you know, we want to uh, make sure that that is inclusive. Do you want to tell the group a little bit about what the well does? Uh, the well, the wells are a recovery community that was uh, set up in Lancaster by. Uh, well, we're meeting as a group of, of LGBT staff in in a safe space to discuss our issues, and we've set up. Um, the availability for staff to make contact with the network if they've got any issues that they want advice on. But similarly, managers, if they're having difficulty to, with addressing certain issues in the area, in particular areas, and also uh, we would like to extend that to patients um, so that if they've got something they want to raise, but perhaps in a less formal way than through the complaints, because sometimes it's just about recognising little bits of language even, you know, can just help to change culture. Hi, I'm Maram Bukhari. I'm a rheumatologist, um, but I'm also the secretary of the BME Forum here in Morecambe Bay. Some of the work that we've done has been quite interesting in that we've been able to survey a larger membership than has been done through the national surveys and understand issues that are more to do with the operational issues of running the trust rather than issues that are to deal with a black and minority ethnic group. But we now have been empowered to be able to go and ask the trust to implement changes and look at processes differently, especially when it involves a black and minority ethnic member. And we've set up a several stage implementation plan to say, well, here's what needs to happen. First of all, we needed to survey and see how big the issue was. And then we've been now been set to ask how, what are the steps we can communicate to all of the members of the trust that these are the ways that things will go from now onwards to ensure that black and minority ethnic groups are actually fairly well represented, they're not unduly uh, subject to complaints, procedures, investigations and referrals to the GMC, uh, where we're actually implementing the fact that when, whenever anybody leaves and not just uh, a, a BME member leaves, we have somebody to actually interview them from out with their division to see whether there was any issues that led to them leaving but it needed to be implemented from the top downwards. For us to be able to go to the immediate middle tier of management means that it just it sits there and doesn't get action. What's that training? Yeah, assertive training, that's it. Um, showed her the course on that, um, had a good chapter, and it just made me realise, looking through the list, that there's actually only three domestics that we've got as champions. Sometimes people make comments and they don't really understand what they're saying. This could just be through lack of knowledge or lack of training so it may just be to correct people you know when they're not aware that maybe they are making a racist or a derogatory comment to colleagues or patients you know and then things can be improved even like this unit that i work on which is a very diverse unit um you know there's no bullying but it's it's just sometimes about people's ignorance the lack of knowledge and the non-awareness of um, the law and you know trust policy on little things little tiny things that maybe they should sh or shouldn't be saying you know so people most of the time don't set out to be racist or be hurtful but they don't realize that just that little tiny thing so if I can make a difference and just teach somebody well actually that's not the right thing to say you know that's made a difference to somebody's life and in turn if that filters through to the patients then the standard will be raised. A lot of the issues that we are coming through has also been identified by the other groups but having a forum with all of the other ones means that we can then say this is actually an organization-wide issue that needs to be addressed rather than anything else so you do 
if you include everybody and everybody has the ability to interface and 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 have uh, and have that forum to talk is very good. The the Hyatt management in Morecambe Bay Trust are absolutely fantastic. Um, because in terms of sort of like um, the management tree, I'm probably right down at the bottom, but um, the, the managers in this trust recognise people that really feel passionate about these things. We can definitely see the changes within the workforce. That is, the, that positivity within the working environment, actually, we are not seen before. My advice for an NHS organisation is to first of all find somebody who is not afraid of calling it as it is and saying here are the issues. Then setting up a group of people who have the ability to think around a lot of these issues and come up with a solution. I would say engagement, think about how you're going to engage with, with, um, with that community and I think it's just about making your presence known, just raise that awareness, you know, open that, open that space, that conversation for people to get involved if they want to. Acknowledging your problem is always the first step in resolving any, any issues. So that, that acknowledgement coming from the top of the organisation is very important, very crucial for any resolution. And after that, breaking those barriers one by one. So you can't just change the organisation overnight. So, but looking into that and gradually changing and gradually developing that trust, that's very important. Your staff survey results will improve, um, staff will say they you know, are happier. I think patient outcomes and results improve, I know ours have, and our sickness absence rates are the lowest that they've ever been. Um, and we've got a ph phenomenal ability to recruit people now. So the word gets around, you know, that I'd like to go and work in that organisation, it's a really great place to be. So I'd say get on this, get on it tomorrow, you know, uh, just don't wait and make sure it's a really key and central feature of what you're doing every day. As an external observer, I have seen a remarkable change in how Morecambe Bay Trust presents and portrays itself. This is as a result of strong, visible leadership, a sense of empowerment and ownership amongst staff and a willingness to innovate and trust the employees and to really allow them to own the diversity agenda. This has resulted in a trust that appears to be more confident in itself and one which is the sort of place I would certainly want to work. To find out more about inclusive leadership in the NHS, visit nhsemployers.org or join the debate on Twitter using the hashtag InclusiveNHS. Thanks for listening.